Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. This is apparently the rear of the 2020 Chevrolet Corvette C8. Dodge slash SRT, well, Dodge SRT, because they're kind of one thing. Show off the new 2020 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat widebody. And they show off the new Charger Scat Pack widebody. This and more coming up. So obviously I've got more news than, than that. That was just the highlights. But let's... Ah, <laughs> uh, we need to talk about the elephant in the room here. Some of you may have seen this new 2020 Corvette C8 leak. Okay, it's a leaked photo of the rear of the of the C8, and it's not one of those bogus ones. This looks pretty darn real. Remember the 2014 Cherokee photos that came out, and they were all grainy and kind of blurry? This is like that, but for the C8 Corvette's rear. So I'm fairly confident this isn't fake and bogus and uh, just completely incorrect, like a good portion of the renderings that are on the internet that I get so sick of seeing. So I'm, I will read the article, but I want to get into what this rear end looks like. And that's a, tif that's a difficult task, because there is a lot going on here. And I say that I say that in a bad way. There is a lot going on here. They don't have the... Why don't... I typed in Lamborghini, and Diablo is not one of the models that comes up. That fe That's just... Really? Google is not a car guy, confirmed. Although we already we already knew that considering they list the Dodge Viper as a luxury vehicle. So that that's that's even worse. It's and for those wondering, it's worse because it's wildly incorrect. Not that that perhaps couldn't be taken as a compliment. I it's just wildly incorrect. Alright, so what this rear end looks a little like to me is an Americanized Lamborghini Countach rear end with the headlights way up there. It's 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 almost bug-eyed with how high the rear taillights are. And perhaps, well, no, 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 it's, it's that with a lot of Camaro in the rear end. That's what it is. It's kind of Lamborghini, not Countach, did I say Countach? I meant Diablo. It's almost Diablo-ish. High mounted brake light, yeah, yeah. Let's see, that, no, no, not that third brake light thing. Tail light. It, I, I, I'm, it's really, really hard to explain what I'm on about. But you know how the Diablo has circular taillights? Okay, well imagine that with Camaro-shaped taillights and a little bit closer to the top to the top part of the rear of the, of the rear end. Like closer to where the shoulders are or hips or whatever you want to call it, closer to that part, a little bit higher up and you have a you'd have a relatively good idea of what the C8 of sort of what the C8 looks like because it has Camaro taillights, really high-mounted rear taillights. And a massive license plate holder, which isn't bad, considering it's, it's almost actually Gen 5 Viper-ish. Its shape is almost Gen 5 Viper-ish on the rear app, applique, or applique, however it was, however Google said it was. Applique, that's what it was, on the Gen 5 Viper's rear applique, the carbon fiber one. It's almost that shape, but it's not, it's not anything like that. It's body colored and it's way above, but the taillights are above where the license plate is. Not level with it, like way, way above. And, that, and that's not uncommon. You know, you saw that for the old, again, the old 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee. But at least the taillights were kind of in proportion to where the rest of the body was. They sit, they sat 
midway-ish. This does not. It sits right at the top. And then it has giant vents on the bottom of the taillights. And I mean, they're truly big. Again, very Diablo-ish. But they're not, it's not square and they're not as tall. They're not at all as tall, but, but they're in that, they're in a similar area. But they're pushed a little bit further to the sides. And then you have the lower portion with the tail light, uh, with the, with the exhaust pipes. And the exhaust pipes, the exhaust pipes are actually kind of cool. Not because there's four of them, I'm just, I'm done with that. Boring. Oh, also they're not in the center. The four exhausts are not in the center. A Corvette staple. I think that's going to make keen-eyed Corvette fans really annoyed because how how long have we had the four exhausts in the center since the c what the c5 maybe or at least then and, and i think that's cool but yeah we don't have that here they're they're on the corners like most other cars but they're kind of they're actually kind of square they're, they're actually almost would it be like a rhombus that that the square with the rounded edges that's that's the shape i'm talking about and that's what the exhaust pipes that's the shape that they look like it's almost cool it's almost cool, but they're... I don't know. It's, it, that's the coolest part about this rear end. It's the coolest part about this rear end. And where the exhaust pipes are, it's just... There's a whole black applique, so to speak. There's a whole black applique down on the bottom. And it doesn't look bad, but the rear end is just so overstyled. And you know what the worst part is? The the vents below the taillights, like on a Gen 5 Viper, but, a, but much bigger. Like a lot wider and a bit taller. They It seems to me... Like, the top part of the, bo the bodywork that goes around the vents, it goes past the width of the taillights. So the, tail the taillights aren't very, aren't very thick, they're not very tall, and they're, they're fairly, you know, they're taillights, but it's so hard to explain because I, do I guess I don't do enough art to properly explain this. But basically, they have a right angle, almost a perfect 90 degree right angle just below where the taillights are and that 90 degree seems to come out a little bit further than the taillights themselves and not only that the taillights are are sunken in a bit further than where that than where that right angle thing is and because of that it just makes the rear end look really pudgy Re like like someone got a bad botox job that's what this looks like it looks like chevrolet took a bunch of botox to the c7 corvette did a few structural changes because they actually could, and ruined it. Well, well, here's the thing. What was there to ruin, even? What was there even to ruin? Because you could make the argument that it was this bad from the, from the initial design sketches. Well, no. Because that what I was saying would have alluded to the fact that they ruined the C7. Which you could argue that they did ruin the C7 with the C8 in terms of looks. But it, it is its own car, and there is some C7-ness in it. So, if we assume that they did have any C7 inspiration, any C7 influence whatsoever, they did take that any of those elements and ruined it. Like how Dodge took the Gen the Gen 2 Viper as inspiration as a sort of guideline for how they were going to design the Gen 5. You know, they took the best bits and then added it onto the new car. Well, if we take that same idea but apply it to the C7 and the C8, Chevrolet took some of the best or okay bits from the C7 and ruined them. Just no comprehensively ruined them. And that and that's what's happened here. It's there's just there's a there's a sort of a crease again below the taillight but but above the vent and it turns into a perfect right angle and it's ugh I want to call it a character line but it's it's not really a character line for the rear end because it it's just for the vents. It doesn't really do anything but yeah, this you know, I never really believed a lot of those renderings 
where they took a C7 and basically just mid-engineized it, essentially ruined it. But I see a lot of ruined C7 in this in this leaked photo. I see a whole lot of ruined C7 in this photo. And I think the design for a good handful of those renderings were completely off and incorrect. But as, as far as the ruined C7 part of them, I think they nailed it more than I gave them credit for. And, and here's the thing. I was... I was hoping it would look better. I'm like, okay, you know, let's wait. There's been, there's a bunch of renderings, but we need to wait to see this thing in the flesh. Let's not jump to conclusions and think, even if it's GM, maybe this will be the car that saves GM, much like the Viper was in terms of Chrysler being cool again back in the 80s. I was like, okay, I'll give this, I'll give the seat the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to immediately assume it's going to be ugly. I didn't have a lot of hope, I'll tell you that much, but I wasn't going to immediately assume it was going to be ugly. Unfortunately, though, it the rear end is not pretty. It is really not pretty. Here's the way that I like to think of GM design. It's really cool when it comes out, but it just does not age very well. It almost looks, it looks dated about a year in for some designs. Maybe two at a stretch. Like, almost like they came late to the party, and, that, and that's what most of their designs have been looking like to me, just... Like, oh, yeah, you've done this, this, and you changed it to look like this. Yeah, Ford kind of did a similar thing a while ago. Mercedes, you know, whatever. And I will say that the C8 does look, because there's another leaked photo that is is so much worse than the rear one that I'm not even going to bother to try and explain it. Because it kind of looks as you'd expect if you've seen any good renderings or any good leaks. Or those 3D, mod those 3D CAD models that people have been making, those look pretty good. It kind of it looks a bit like that, and I don't know. It looks very modern for a Corvette to me, and and kind of modern overall. It just kind of it looks to me like it'll age though, kind of quickly. Because again, that that's the one thing to me that's a staple of GM's design. It looks really cool for about six months to a year, and then it's just kind of eh. It's just dated date you know kind of been there done that the c8 looks modern to me even with some of the blurry photos but even with that it, it still just looks like a botched c7 to me especially in the rear the front less so that it looks a bit more distinctive there but the rear is definitely a botched c7 and, and it's kind of a shame it's kind of a shame because a lot of people are pretty skeptical about this C8, they're very skeptical about whether or not it's going to be any good, and why is Chevrolet dropping the C7 from their lineup? Why are they, why are they just going to make the C8? And I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that doesn't understand why they're dropping the C7 for the C8. But here's, you know, here's the thing to take away from this. What's happening with the Corvette right now is exactly what was what was going to happen to the Viper back when they were when Dodge was working on or messing with proposals to make a mid-engine. I'm pretty sure a good handful of you have already seen those articles from Haggerty and many other sources, uh, which I actually found out about that long. I found out about that about a year before all the major magazines found that out because I browse Viper forums like a like a like a Viperholic. But it was cool. It was cool for that to finally go public. But anyway, this is sort of exactly what would have happened to me. They probably would have dropped the front engine Viper and then just made a mid engine Viper, you know, because they were gonna sort of like. Rip Ford's best heritage, rip or take from Ford's best heritage to GT40 and then make it a Viper. 
But as some even in the company were saying, well, no, the Viper, you know, the Viper's front engine, the Viper is what it is. It's not, it's not a mid-engine car, it's not whatever. So even then you had some of the purists inside the company. And and I kind of agree, even in this context of the C8. And and I do, I think I do have to disagree in one area though, because you know, everyone says, oh, well, there's never been a mid-engine Corvette, so why, you know, why is Chevrolet gonna slap the Corvette nameplate on this mid-engine car? Well, no, there's been a bunch of concepts with the Corvette, more or less the Corvette nameplate, or at the very least, they were basically mid-engine Corvette concepts. So this isn't this is not a new concept at all. Most, most car guys know this. This has been in the works for what? About as long as the Corvette's been out, near enough. But you know, my thing is, why? The front engine Corvette is sort of the quintessential Corvette. That's the Corvette everyone has lived with for 60 odd years. And so why would you almost alienate those customers just to have a mid-engine Corvette? I don't understand that. It does make sense why, from a, from a performance standpoint, why they might want to get rid of the front engine Corvette. The normal, the the original the vanilla corvette i want to call it because if they made a zr1 well it would probably be as fast as a maybe a mid-level c8 and they can't have that but i kind of feel like what they should do is just go back to the you know the old z06 the c6 z06 make a fairly powerful c5 but make it a track car like like what the grand sport became for the c7 make it that don't make a zr1 for the for the front for for future front engine models don't do it you know, you can still leave the C8 as the top dog, but have a, but continue to make a forty thousand ish dollar Corvette for those buyers who want a cheap sports car, because that's what the Corvette was—a relatively inexpensive sports car. And by getting rid of that and going to the C8, you're completely alienating those buyers. Now, here's the thing, and I'm pretty sure I said it—I said it a while ago on an earlier podcast—and this is something to consider. With everyone complaining that the Camaro, well, the Camaro is getting basically sports car-like interior, or its its interior is more or less about as small as a sports car's is, perhaps Chevrolet isn't actually going to get rid of the Camaro because there are rumors about it going away in 2023. If that isn't happening, then perhaps instead, the Camaro would move to the Corvette's place, the current, the C7 Corvette's place. And that would be good, partially, because at the very least, then you'd have a new front-engine sports car to take over for where the C7 left off. Not only that, now you wouldn't have Camaro guys and Corvette guys fighting, for the most part. Or at the very least, you wouldn't have the internal engineers fighting too hard. But is that? But again, is that worth alienating your traditional Corvette, your traditional Corvette buyers? I don't know, because our traditional Corvette buyers buying Camaros. Are they essentially downgrading from Corvettes to Camaros like that? I'm not convinced that they are. It makes sense to me, though, why some why some Camaro owners would go from Camaro to Corvette. Less now, because they're fairly similar, especially the... Not not the ZR1. The ZR1 is faster than the Camaro ZL11LE. But from, you know, Z06 to ZL11LE, I can understand that. But yeah, overall, I'm, I'm skeptical. I think it might be wildly fast, and I'm kind of hoping it is, actually. I want it to be fast. I want to see how fast it is. You can't tell me there isn't a place... For a front engine and a mid-engine Corvette in Chevrolet's lineup, the mid-engine Corvette's probably going to start from at least eighty thousand, maybe a hundred thousand, which would be a lot. However, that would be even even on the low side, on the eighty thousand dollars side, that's a forty thousand dollar difference. Seventy thousand, that's a thirty thousand dollar difference. To me, that's a big enough gap to to warrant having two Corvettes in your lineup. And here's here's the potential hypocrisy of the whole situation. Let's say. So if they really are going to get rid of the front-engine Corvette, if they're going to never make a front-engine, 
like a front engine C8 or a front engine C9, and the Camaro is going to take the Corvette's place, and they make a ZL11LE in the next generation Camaro that's as fast, give or take, as a mid-level C8. Well, then that begs the question, what would have been the problem of doing that for a Corvette then? What, where's the issue there? If you're, if, if Chevrolet is fine with making a top dog Camaro that's as fast as a mid-level Corvette, what's the problem with making a front-engine Corvette that's, that wouldn't be as fast as it could be? No, but it would still be about mid-level fast. What's the problem there? And perhaps the argument there is, well, it takes more to make a top dog Camaro as fast as a mid-level C8. And that might be a really good argument. But to me, it just seems, it seems unnecessary. I don't, I'm not saying the mid-engine seems unnecessary, but kind of shifting, shifting the lineup like this seems a little unnecessary to me, but yeah, so there you go. Oh, wait, I forgot to read. Well, the article hasn't really said anything that I didn't say. The only thing it said that I haven't is that this leak was in blue. Dia it looks like a Diablo from the rear, but the taillights are mounted higher and they're Camaro C7-ish. The vents, the, for lack of a better word, character line on top of them has a perfect right angle that makes the rear end look very, very pudgy on top of its pudginess already. Like it has a like it got a bad Botox job. And the four tailpipes are not in the center anymore. They're at the sides. I don't know what the reaction's gonna be like. Either the reaction's gonna be mixed, or the reaction is gonna be very, very, very negative. We'll see. We only got eight days now till it's unveiling, and I'm I'm kind of excited. Mostly because I want this to be over. I'm so done. So done with seeing leak after leak after leak and rendering after rendering after rendering. This needs to end. We need to see it and we need to know the specs. I'm tired of this mess. Anyway, uh, actually because I've been rambling for a bit, I will see you all after the break. Did you know Cody does more than just tell the news? He's writing articles on cars as well. Be sure to check him out on Mopar Insiders at http colon forward slash forward slash www.moparinsiders.com and on Drive Tribe at http colon forward slash forward slash www.drivetribe.com Now back to Cody at Cody's Car Conundrum. Guys, I just saw on Heming, Hemmings.com, that, that classic car kind of auction type thing, that there were a few kind of like salvage title Vipers on there. Among other ones that weren't. Among a lot of other ones that weren't. And this one, and typically those, those ones seem to be bits, it was a thousand bucks! It was a 2013 SRT Viper in Texas, and it looked like it might have had flood damage or something, but it was one thousand dollars! You have no idea. I I can't even contain myself. I don't know if that was like the reserve for the lowest, you know, like, oh, well, that's the lowest bid and you got a bit higher than that, but a thousand bucks. I had 10 grand on me right now. <laughs> mm. And and unfortunately, actually that one, that listing wasn't up there, but there was another one that was 1700. And that one wasn't, and that one was actually flood damage, but it looked completely fine and the interior was, it was good. It was tan. And it had the advanced aero package. <laughs> Just can't contain myself. That was... <sighs> you have no idea how bad it feels to have to pass that off. <laughs> <sighs> oh man. Mm. Do any of you guys watch the Alex rebuild of that Viper on YouTube? I was watching. I was watching the Goon Squad one, and then 
that one is gone. I haven't seen them finish the. I haven't seen the Goon Squad guys finish their TA yet. But the Alex Rebuild guys apparently finished theirs, and it's a. They turned it into a white GTS apparently, and all. And all I'm thinking of when I see those Salvage Vipers, I'm just like, how much work needs to go into them before I'd actually before I'd have an actually running driving Viper? <laughs> mm, that's. Just, I can't get over that, but it's so tempting, but <laughs> I don't, I don't understand the website. I don't understand the website, how, how that's supposed to work. <sighs> oh, well, back, back to news. And we're going to get onto some actual news before we get onto the two other headlined cars, which were the Charger Hellcat wide body and the Charger Scat Pack wide body. 2020 Mustang Shelby GT500 let its 760 horsepower loose as petrol heads rejoice at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. I need to watch this video. Not right now. Soon. BMW R9T slash 5 or forward slash 5 combines retro looks with 21st century tech. Bloodhound LSR preparing for high speed tests in South Africa in October. Why did they change the name? Why and when did they change the name? Toyota Proace and Proace City to get all electric versions in 2020 and 2021. Ferrari's SUV might outpower the Lamborghini Urus. SEC defends delay in suing Volkswagen over Dieselgate. BW Beetle production ends as final car is built in Mexico. Toyota announces new SUV for America will be built in Alabama. 2020 BMW 840i Coupe and Convertible coming to America this fall. 2020 Hyundai Santa Fe is one of the most practical SUVs in its class, apparently. And that might have... Yep, that's a video done by CarWow. Did you guys see the CarWow Super vs. Z4 video? What the mess, BMW? What in the mess happened? I I watched that video and they ran that drag race twice. Between, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to spoil it. The Supra beat the mess out of the Z4. Like curb stomped, just curb stomped all over the Z4 in the in the drag race. And not even a rolling. Uh, from a dig to wherever their finish line was. I don't, I don't remember the distance. Curb stomped the mess out of the Z4. They're supposed to be exactly the same in Europe. The Z4 is supposed to be more powerful, but nope. Mess, nope. The, the Supra had a much better launch both times and was just faster on the top end. And there have been some dinos that apparently the, Z4, the, the Supra makes the same about the same power as the Z4, but I call nonsense on that. It's got to make more for the way it, it gave a beating to the Z4. And then they did a roll race after that, same thing. The Toyota kicked down faster and was just off to the races. It was just absolutely... It, it drove out of the Z4's life. Just drove out of its life and off into the distance. It was... You gotta watch that video. It was crazy. That, that one was pretty nuts. That one I did not... It doesn't make any sense. Yes, Toyota did do some of their own toyota e wizardry with, with the Z4 chassis or with the shared chassis. But it, the difference is that big? I'm surprised. I am surprised. Yeah, but gotta watch that. I'm, I'm, in fact, I might have to link it in the in the description of this podcast. Anyway, Tesla preparing to increase production at Fremont post new record in Q2. Pagani's on the R makes a U-turn at Goodwood, somehow hits a haystack and loses front blade. Lego's latest replica is a Harley Davidson Fat Boy. <laughs> what a name! With 1,023 pieces, Porsche exclusive has its way with the Boxster Spider and. When did that come out? The Porsche exclusive 718 Boxer Spider is painted in a stunning shade of blue. It is. When did the Spider come out? 
though. Did I just miss? I must have forgotten. It looks cool, though. Audi Sport wastes no time as facelifted RS5 begins testing. Bentley looks into the future with the electric EXP100 GT concept. 2020 Buick Enclave gains style and tech updates and a new ST package. Ford might have something to say about that. VW ID3 prototype spotted nearly undisguised in Stuttgart. And now let's get on to let's get on to the Charger Widebody because you guys are probably waiting to hear about that. The Widebody kit is now standard on Hellcat models. The Dodge SRT brand teased us yesterday at the time with a 14-second teaser video on the social media on their social media accounts depicting the all-new 2020 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat Widebody. Now we are getting our first look at what may be the first stage of what Dodge has planned for its Charger lineup. First off, Dodge SRT threw us for a loop. Our, so our sources told us that three Dodge Charger widebody models were coming. However, Dodge is only showing off two models at the current moment, the SRT Hellcat and the RT Scat Pack models. We also announced that a new design was coming for Hellcat models, while the RT Scat Pack was to adopt the current SRT Hellcat hood. But that isn't the case here. We are still hoping for the new performance hood will make its debut on the SRT Hellcat Red Eye models. But let's dig into the new upgrades for the Charger for the 2020 model year. New for and by the way, I almost forgot. This is courtesy of the guys at Mopar Insiders. New for 2020, the Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat Widebody is the standard package on the Charger SRT Hellcat models. That's right. No more standard body Hellcat. Or narrow body as it was as the normal Challenger Hellcat models were affectionately named. The Widebody package is optional on the RT Scat Pack models as well. However, if you want to step up to the supercharged four-door sedan, you must take the widebody package. With the continuation of the current hood design, this means the car stays at its 707 horsepower and 650 pound-feet of torque power levels. The widebody package also lowers the top speed of the SRT Hellcat to 196 miles per hour, down from 204. However, it is still good enough to keep the title of the most powerful and fast and fastest mass-produced sedan in the world. Most powerful? Well, yeah, yeah, fastest, because he didn't say quickest. Quickest goes to the Model S. Just goes to show you how advanced the 2015 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat was when it launched. Along with its new menacing stance, the newly designed front fascia of the 2020 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat widebody, that's a mouthful, includes a new mail slot grille design, similar to what we have seen on the Dodge Durango SRT. This new grille provides the most direct route for cool, for cool air to enter the radiator. This helps maintain, maintain ideal operating temperatures in the hottest conditions. The car also includes a, a new side sill that connects the new front and rear fascias while giving the car a more aggressive profile. A new rear spoiler, unique to the Hellcat model, adds more aero balance. Two-piece satin chrome SRT Hellcat fender badges are also new for 2020, while the interior gets a new Hellcat IP badge too. Basically, it's on the right side. It's a, it's a new dash plaque, essentially. That's, that's exactly... You know, the, you know the custom Dodge Viper plaques from the concierge program? Okay, that but Charger, and it's new, for those who don't know what a dash plaque is. Three wheel designs will be available for the 2020 model year on Hellcat widebodies. The standard wheel will be a four-split, five-spoke with a low-gloss carbon black finish. There will also be a warp-speed deep dish with low-gloss granite finish available and an optional brass monkey wheel as well. The Pirelli 305 35ZR20 all-season performance tires from the Challenger SRT Hellcat widebody are standard, but three-season tires are also available. The 2020 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat widebody also adds a bunch of new standard features that will make the overall drivability on the street and or on the track much more comfortable. For the first time, the Charger SRT Hellcat now comes with standard electronic power steering with, 
which improves handling performance and gives better steering feel, which allows for ease of turning at lower speeds. The supercharged four-door sedan also gets stiffer springs, larger sway bars, and specially tuned shocks. Dodge increased the front spring rates to make the 2020 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat Widebody 32% stiffer than the 2019 model. The larger sway bars have grown 2mm in the front, 32 to 34mm, and 3mm in the rear, from 19mm before to 22mm now. Thanks to the bigger contact patch of the rubber to the road, the 2020 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat Widebody also stopped 4 feet shorter, 107 feet from 60 to 0 than the 2019 model. Of course, the Charger SRT Hellcat Widebody gets the same race-inspired technology found under the hood of the 2019 Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat Widebody, such as the race cooldown, which keeps, which keeps cooling the supercharger and or charges the air cooler after the engine is shut off by running the air cooler pump and radiator fan. Line lock, which engages the front brakes to hold the car stationary but leaves the rear wheels free for a burnout to heat up and clean the rear tires. Launch control manages tire slip while launching the vehicle to allow the driver to achieve consistent straight line acceleration. Launch assist, this feature uses, sorry, and launch assist, this feature uses wheel speed sensors to watch for driveline damaging wheel hop at launch, and in milliseconds, modifies the engine torque to regain full grip. While the Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat is in a world of its own for straight line speed, the widebody kit adds improved performance on the drag strip or road course. SRT engineers were able to achieve a 0-60 time of just 3.6 seconds and a quarter-mile quarter elapsed time ET, in 10.96 seconds and pulls of 0.96 G on the skid pad. And if you don't know how pretty impressive that is, that's Gen 2 ACR numbers, there or thereabout, or at the very least, definitely Gen 2 Viper numbers. The wide body kit also gives the 2020 model a 2.1 second faster lap on the 2.1 mile test track, probably Chrysler's. Which equals, which equals 13 car lengths a lap. There, thereabouts. What do you think of the new Charger SRT Hellcat Widebody? Do you think it's enough to keep the Charger, to keep the aging Charger fresh for the next few model years? How about making the Hellcat a Widebody model only? Leave your comments below. Later, we will be discussing the new Charger RT Scat Pack Widebody as that deserves its own post. How many comments? Three comments. Before we get to the Scat Pack, we will take a short break. So I will see you after that. Are you a huge fan of Cody's Car Conundrum? You can now purchase Cody's Cockroach merch, which is long sleeve and short sleeve shirts on www.tidyurl.com slash merch. Now back to Cody at Cody's Car Conundrum. Alrighty, we are back for the final time. Time to, well, Charger Scat Pack wide body. Yesterday, Dodge showed off its latest pair of performance muscle cars at the FCA What's New event. This event gives select auto journalists a chance to see the upcoming lineup of FCA vehicles for the forthcoming model year. While the 2020 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat widebody got the most attention yesterday, we can't help but talk about the new 2020 Dodge Charger Scat Pack widebody. That's right, the RT is completely gone from the name now. While still being Dodge's entry-level performance trim level for the Charger, the 2020 Dodge Charger Scat Pack widebody offers even more menacing style and better performance than before. Unlike the SRT Hellcat widebody, the Scat Pack does still still does offer a non-widebody model as well for 2020, or I think as it'll affectionately be named as well, the narrow body. But let's take an in-depth look at Dodge's new Scat Pack widebody version of the Charger. Power for the 2020 Dodge Charger Scat Pack widebody still comes from the proven 6.4 liter 392 cubic inch Hemi V8. The 392 Hemi continues to feature a best-in-class, naturally aspirated output of 485 horsepower. The car comes standard with 
the same Torque Flight 8 HP 78 speed transmission as the 2019 model. However, the car now comes standard with a Bilstein 3 mode adaptive damping suspension tuned exclusively for the wide body application. Electric power steering or EPS with selectable steering settings, 20 inch by 11 inch wheels, up an upgraded braking system, and a new front and rear fascia with new side sills as standard. Well, our standard. While the Scat Pack Widebody gets the same aggressive side sills as well as front and rear fascias as its big, as its big brother, the SRT Hellcat Widebody, it keeps its standard hood and rear spoiler for the 2019 mo from the 2019 models. The 2020 Scat Pack Widebody adds 3.5 inches to the width of the to the width of the standard Scat Pack model, making the new view of this car a more menacing and athletic look. Gone are the are the dual nostril air intakes. The wide body model gets a new mail slot grill design seen on the Durango SRT and, R and RT models. Just like its Challenger sibling, when equipped with the wide body package, the Charger uses its front fog lamps for bigger mesh grill ducts. Two wheel options are available for the 2020 Charger Scat Pack wide body, equipped as standard, are the Devil's Rim split five spoke wheels in low gloss granite finish. The SRT Hellcat wide body's carbon black split five spoke wheels are optional. All Charger Scat Pack wide bodies come standard with Pirelli 305 35Z R20 all season performance tires, but three season tires are also available. Thanks to the SRT engineered Brembo braking system with two piece 15.4 inch front brake rotors with six piston front calipers and, calipers and four piston rear calipers that are standard equipment, the stopping distance on the Scat Pack has improved by three feet to 107 feet from 60 to zero stopping distances. Charger Scat Pack wide body models also get similar suspension upgrades to the SRT Hellcat wide body. SRT engineers modified the springs, sway bars, and shocks for the Scat Pack wide body. The increased front spring rates are 27% stiffer than the non-wide body cars. The SRT engineering team also equipped the Scat Pack wide body with a three millimeter larger rear sway bar, 22 millimeters, and they also revised the damper calibration to match the suspension tuning revisions. Of course, launch control, launch assist, and line lock features come standard on all Scat Pack models. Inside, the 2020 Dodge Charger Scat Pack models get a new flat bottoms leather wrapped steering wheel as well as new a 392 instrument panel badge featuring the Scat Pack B logo. Scat Pack wide body models get their 8.4 inch touchscreen uploaded with the SRT performance pages instead of the Dodge performance pages. When it comes to performance, the 2020 Charger Scat Pack Widebody adds even more street, strip, and road cap capability. When compared to the non-widebody Charger Scat Pack on the 2.1 mile road course, probably Chrysler's Chelsea Proving Grounds, the widebody variant was on average 1.3 seconds faster, which equals to about 8 car, lamps, eight car lengths a lap. If you're thinking about hitting the drag strip in the widebody, the car is capable of 0 to 60 in 4.3 seconds, a quarter mile of 12.4 seconds at 111 miles per hour, and pulls 9.98 g lateral grip on the skid pad, which, if you don't, if you weren't paying enough attention, is more than the Hellcat SRT widebody, and I think that's probably because the Scat Pack weighs a little bit less. In fact, it almost pulls a full G. The 2020 Charger Scat Pack widebody will be available in 12 comer in 12 colors when it comes to dealerships this fall. Those include F8 Green, Go Man Go, or Go Mango, Granite Crystal Metallic, Octane Red, Indigo Blue, Pitch Black, Tor Red, Triple Nickel, White Knuckle, Frostbite, which is new but will be available a bit late, Hell Raisin, which is also new but will be available a bit late, I bet you that's going to be a purple, and Cinnamon, Cinnamon with an S, Cinnamon Stick, that might be a brown, and that, once again, will also be late availability. I, I kind of can't wait to see the hell-raising color. I really want to see how dark that one's going to be. 
And now we'll get back to regular news before we end off this episode. Toyota's new SUV will share compo components with Mazda, but it wouldn't be badge engineered. Woman arrested for having kids hold down inflatable pool on roof of her Audi. I thought we already heard this story. Two, at least two or three years ago, I thought we already heard this story. Something, a story really similar. 650 horsepower Roush Nightmare F-150 puts down a 0-60 to 60 of just 3.9 seconds? 3.9 seconds in a truck? Thanks to its highly tuned V8, this F-150 is now the world's quickest production truck. I mean, it's modified, but that's still... And honestly, I have to say, that might be too fast for a truck. Audi RS Q8 on its way with high power and a twin-turbo V8. Porsche to have naturally aspirated engines and stick shifts for at least another decade, which is awesome. Honda E all-wheel drive electric prototype gets put to the test by F1 driver at Goodwood. FCA investing $788 million to build all-new Fiat 500EV in Italy, but didn't the 500E... That was kind of a failure. Why, why are they building another one? Not that it doesn't completely make sense because it's their lightest. Their battery technology has got to be a lot better than when they did when, than when they did the 500e. And the 500 is kind of a perfect car to have an electric car version of. Yes. But they didn't sell that many 500s in America. I mean, they sell, I think, a good handful in Europe. So, hey, if it's going to be an EV-only, a, a Europe-only affair, then sure, fair game. But if they plan to sell this in America, then mess no. They... Absolutely not. They sell the 500E at a loss, I think, right now. And yes, they still sell it. It even has a... It had a model year back in 2018. In fact, I think it has a model year right now. In 20, well, technically, the 2020 models are coming out, but it had a model year for 2019. 2020 Seat Atika facelift makes its spy debut hiding a subtle design refresh. Why? Didn't we just get the Atika? Seems a bit soon to me. Facelifted 2020 BMW 5 Series spotted with a plug-in hybrid powertrain. VW's Mexican plant to replace Beetle with a Tarek compact SUV from 2020. ABT Sportsline gearing up for electric SUV racing series. The German tuner known as ABT Sportsline will take delivery of its extreme EE SUV in March of 2020. Why is it EE SUV? Aston Martin to celebrate James Bond heritage during British GP. Autonomous Lexus LS will begin testing on public roads in Belgium. Silverstone Circuit secures British Grand Prix until 2024. That's pretty good. I, I weighs U5 EV. That is such a, just a cumbersome name. To embark on 8,800 mile trip from China to Europe. Eurospec Jeep Gladiator getting 256 horsepower diesel V6 and will launch in 2020. 2020 Nissan GTR Nismo gets a steep 175,000 pound price tag in the UK. And I saw an earlier news story that apparently the Nismo now costs at least 212 here in America. Or there's a special edition GTR that costs 212 I can't remember which, but either way, that is very expensive for a GTR. McLaren thrilled with F1 driver lineup. Retains Sainz and Norris for 2020. Aston Martin chasing Porsche Cayenne Turbo and BMW X6M with the DBX. Still not sure I'm a fan of the rear. I mean, the rear isn't actually in this cover photo, but the last time I saw the DBX rear end, it looked pretty bad. And I know I should wait, but... Even with all the camera on it, the pure shape. I'm not talking about its design or, or the taillights or anything. I'm saying the shape of the rear end looked terrible. Toyota announces new SUV for America will be built in Alabama. BMW production chief defends electric mini's driving range. Oh, apparently it's short. Bugatti Chiron production hits new milestone. Less than 100 are still up for grabs. 2020 Audi S7 on display with ferrament blue metallic exterior. That is not blue. That is so barely blue. And this, com this is coming from a person who loves dark blue and has a lot of dark blue cars on Forza Horizon 4. 
One of which, because it was a transfer from Horizon 3, almost, almost looks black in some light. But this is worse. Toyota and Denso team up for in-car semiconductors R&D? None of that makes sense. Cute mini Rocketman to hit the production line in 2022? It better. I want the Rocketman. I've been wanting that thing since when it came out, what, 2013? Man, that's so long ago. Six years now. Man. Australia exclusive Renault Colios Formula Edition pays tribute to Daniel Ricciardo. That is one of the most boring special editions I've ever seen. Especially for one that's supposed to pay tribute to Daniel Ricciardo. My man Danny Rick deserves better. Volkswagen Amarok tasked with saving lives on Portugal's beaches. 2020 Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi Pajero Sport shows updated face ahead of July 25th reveal. It's so going to get overshadowed by the C8. Even though it, it's... It comes out later, it's going to get overshadowed so hard. Facelifted Volkswagen Passat launched in Britain against semi-autonomous driving. 2020 Mini G JCW GP looks wild and sounds tamed during dynamic debut, obviously at Goodwood. And unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And when you do subscribe, hit the notification bell. That way you're notified every time I upload. If you're listening elsewhere, like, comment, and share it, please. Anyway, I will see you soon. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at CodyCar, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.